Ready to do this? I am ready, Freddy, <laughs> steady, get it go. Let's do it. Yo, what up? This is Mike Brown, and this is The Art of Letting Go. Today, <laughs> I have a special guest in the building. <laughs> I was on his show was Breaking into last year or year before last? Two years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like two years ago. Last year, I was six, so two years ago. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And that, wow, that was when we... When this podcast first started about two years ago. Yep. Would you mind introducing yourself to the guests? Sure. I'm James Lott Jr. I am a multimedia sensation. <laughs> I am James of all trades. I am a professional organizer, certified life coach. Um, what else do I do? Podcaster, YouTuber, TV show host, radio host, uh, recording artist, spoken word artist, author, and papa. And you just won an award. I did. I won the Capital City <laughs> Web Award. Uh, I'm, I'm the first time, I'm the first winner of this category for best news and entertainment series. My breaking interest that you were on. That was a yes. And the episode award winning show. And the episode that I think I won for is my interview with Todd Bridges. Speaking okay. Of, speaking of black folks. Yeah. Todd Bridges was a he was a good folks a good interview. He spilled all the tea on that interview. <laughs> he was so open about his life. That's cool. Yeah. So today. I was thinking that we could revisit a question that you asked me. Um, yes. You asked me, how do I represent being black and gay in my art? And being that this is the art of letting go. Yes. What better place than here <laughs> to talk about it? Yes. Yes. And um, I feel like I do represent it okay. by being myself. Okay. And um, just giving my journey in the ways that I'm giving it, you know, like... Like I was telling you earlier, I haven't always been as comfortable with being black and gay. Even post coming out, I'm still having to find my own ways of comfort. Mm-hmm. And um, I really want to talk to you about it because you are from a different generation than me. Yes. I wanted to know your level of comfort with being black and gay. I'm 50 years old, folks. Turned 50 this year. <laughs> very, I'm very proud of that. And I know I look good. <laughs> um, good genes and good living. No, I. Uh, what's funny for me when I when I was when we were talking, a little backstory, folks. That you know we've been friends for a while. We actually met and we're supposed to date, <laughs> and that didn't really happen. And then we went, we went on a date and it was good, but we did nothing ever came out of it, uh, which happens sometimes. Which is yeah. which happens, and it was nothing. And the fact that we got along, and there was nothing bad happened. We stayed in touch. I brought you on my show because I yes. liked your podcast. I listened to it. I tell people all the time. I try to support my own people, especially. I'll, listen, I'll take a listen to what you're doing, and if I think it's good, yeah. I contact you. It was like you need to be on my show, yeah, and promote the art of letting go. I love, I love the whole concept and everything. Um, so yeah, I come from a time period where um, I came of I came of age period in the mid '80s. Yeah, so I, I turned like 15 in 1984. <laughs> oh my god, like going backwards. Um, very different time period. Very different time period. I grew, I was growing up in South Central Los Angeles in Inglewood. You could not be gay. You could not be anything but just black. Wow. I mean, you really just couldn't do a gang. It was gang-ridden. The area back then was very, it was very gang-infested, um, lots of drugs. It was, just, it was just rampant. So you couldn't do anything but just be black and survive. Yeah. My goal was graduate high school, get the F out of there. That was my whole thing, which I did. At 18, I left home. But that was the whole thing. Was just, let me just get through high school. I knew some of the gang members. We all grew up together and stuff. But there was no, and back then, there was no, nothing on TV, nothing going on. You could not, being gay was not even a thought. And being black and gay, there was no representation on anywhere. Yeah. Not in music, not in TV, nothing. 
Uh, you could be discriminated against for being black and gay, both or or both or either or. Yeah, I've had jobs where I didn't get promotions because I was black. Um, and back then, the big question was: Are you black first or gay first? Mm. That comes up every once in a while. I've never come up for you. Has it ever come up for you? Um, I've had people ask me that, especially like you know being able to talk about it now in the barbershop. Oh, um, yes. Somebody brought up once black gays being gay before black but for me that's never been the case i'm black first sorry yeah absolutely what do you what do you look at right you see me when i walk out the door most of my discrimination in every world i've been in has been about being black absolutely absolutely i've had some gay discrimination that's something different but most of it has been because of my skin color same here and my shaved head or my goatee or my big lips or my nose or whatever it is that they see as black that's been the most that's been first and foremost so i know for a fact if i had to choose i'm black first right just for kind of purposes of everything that everything else comes into play i'm also you know i'm also latino i'm also this i'm also that i'm creole i mean all these other things too but they're all kind of underneath the black thing yeah especially and now again today unfortunately things have been reverting back to like discrimination against blacks and black men especially we're black men um and for a lot of black people, they can't reconcile the gay thing either. Yeah. So it's like, you're not really a man. No, I'm a man. I can show you. Um, <laughs> in many ways. Um, I got this deep voice and everything. But, but then also there's this thing where, because I have a deep voice, I'm a big guy, and I don't act a certain way, quote unquote. Yeah. I'm passable. And so I deal with that sometimes, too, where I'm with my female friends and think we're together. Yeah. They treat me as such. And also, also, I'm older. I'm a big teddy bear. I'm a big papa teddy bear where people look at me as kind of like a father figure anyway. So I'm with the chick. Oh, is that your daughter? Is that your son? And I do have kids. Not yeah. another story. But I'm, I'm living these different worlds. But it all goes back to the black thing first. That's what I think for me. So talking to you about art, because we both are artists. You're an artist. You're also yes. now tell folks kind of if they don't if they don't listen to your show. No, no. <laughs> um, my new fans, you're watching this and they're going to listen to this. What do you do that's art based? I do music, I paint, um, I mean, I even do a little bit of my own video and stuff, like, I I do everything, like, I, I try to express myself in whatever medium that I feel. Okay. That's like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, so, my thing is, when I do my art, and while I was asking you the question, it was about how much, because in art, you're giving of yourself. Right. And to me, in my opinion, this may be controversial, I don't know. True, true art is born, true authentic art that's really good is born out of who you are openly. Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, I would say, just answering that question in my music, I don't know if I've, I've been that open. Yeah. You know, I've, I've expressed my feelings about myself, but I don't know if I've ever expressed how I feel about being a gay man within my music because of how I felt about it personally outside of art. You know, but with this, I feel so free yeah. in what I'm doing that, yeah, I, I do feel like this is a direct reflection of of my life, my entire life. Okay. But yeah, in, in music, I, and I think because of the type of music that I make and what I grew up expecting as far as the expectations of like rap music, it did feel like a, a, di a difficult medium to create that space within. Now, there are gay rappers. Absolutely. Now. Now. Yeah. Now. 
and uh, so and there's and, and and gay artists like Caswell and people like that who do things that are with the whole heavy gay slant. Go ahead, you're laughing. Please let tell me. Um, I'm laughing because for me, I yeah, be real, be real. Tell me. I don't know if I really consider what Caswell does is rap. Now okay. they they do put the the gay title on it, but I don't know if I consider that rap. And okay. I and I say that because. The rap that I grew up listening to was not that. And I do know gay rappers that rap. I mean, I'm, I'm like I said, I may not put it in my music, but yeah. I'm a gay rapper that I feel like can rap. And I, I guess I wasn't putting it in my music before because I didn't want to be judged as a gay rapper. I didn't want to be the best because I'm gay. I wanted to be the best because I'm the best or, or whatever I am because of me simply being me. But, yeah, shout out to, like, Will Sheridan. Yes. Great rapper. Yep. And I know that because I've rapped with him and heard him freestyle and everything. Yeah. But, like, some of some of the other stuff that's out there <laughs> is cheesy. Well, see, okay, here's the thing, folks. So you're getting a little old. You're getting old now, too. Because I'm old. So, for me, true rappers, like, run DMC and all that. And I know <laughs> folks would be like, that stuff's cheesy. And they were just like, you're king of rock. And he's no hot. I mean, like, for me, though, that was rap. For yeah. me, Kumo D, um, Eric B and Rakim. Um, early public enemy, like always. I mean, to me, that is rap. Yeah, I hear this shit today. I'm like, I'm like, what's Amigos? <laughs> what's uh, what's uh, what's this mumble rap crap? Like, <laughs> I hear stuff, and actually, every once in a while, a song does grab me. Every once in a while, a song grabs me. But I know I'm old. I'm old, so I like the earlier stuff. So I know. I mean, I'm also like a De La Soul person and Arrested Development. I mean, I was like a Lauryn Hill fan. Like, I'm always people who like. When hip hop to me was hip hop, right? I know that, but I know I say that because I'm laughing because I say that because I know things evolve and change with generations. So I'm being an old person, when right. I, so I know. So when you said it, it made me laugh. Going, well, there you go. Well, some people are considered hip hop and rap, and may not be what we think it is, but it's like, but I, but I know, see, I know what you mean. I'm like, I, I get it, right? I get and, it, and I, I say that because. <laughs> I feel like if I if I some of the stuff that I listen to, yes, as far I mean, if you look at somebody like Tyler the Creator or okay. or Brock, uh, what's the guy from Brock Hampton's uh, I name? Know. I don't know, young guy. Yeah, um, Kevin Abstract. Okay, I know that. But that is, I yes. have friends that that listen to to both and would consider that rap. But I feel like if I played that, and I don't want to go too hard on you know <laughs> on yes. Caswell because I don't know him as yes. a person. Yes. To him, that may yep. you know yep. that may be his truth, but to me. It feels a little gimmicky, okay. You okay. know, and that's okay. and that's just being real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's artists. I mean, like I like I was talking about Lizzo before we came on, and I have friends who can't get into her because she's because she does sing, but she also kind of talks and raps in her songs. But she also plays the flute and all these things. And I'm like, well, she's kind of hip hop in a way. I mean, she is kind of in her own way, and she's the hot thing right now. I liked her for years, but I know that everybody's ear is very different. Yeah. Um, and because we are artists, our ears are very different. Also, we hear things a certain way. Yeah. We can't help it. I mean, I, I can't help it. I hear stuff. I can't. I'm a spoken word artist. My hero was Gil Scott Heron. That's who I okay. grew up with. That's who I model myself after. I do dance music set to my spoken word. Yeah. I do sing a little bit, too. Um, but for me, my latest album is coming out, Seamless Promotion number 1, <laughs> um, Salty Clouds, Sunflower Dreams, October 15th. Uh, it's my fourth album, uh, 18 songs. Okay. Uh, I recorded 30. Oh, wow. Um, but for me, it made me think, none of my songs have to do with my gayness. They have to do with my blackness and my illness. So there's also that. There's times when in your art, whatever you create is still authentic, but it's from what your situation is. Right. 
And so my situation was mostly like I was sick. My face was paralyzed. I had things going on. So my anger was coming out. So I yeah. wrote songs based on that. Um, I wrote one song. It's kind of a love song, kind of. It's a, my first <laughs> ballad. Um, but it wasn't towards anybody. So I didn't put any pronouns in it. Okay. But I wasn't any, it wasn't because I was trying to hide anything. Just, I just it didn't. As you know, in R2, whatever calls for it will happen. Like things will come up and the, the song or the painting will call for this. Right. And I, I, I agree with that as well. Like, uh, I'm not trying to hide anything in my music. I'm not in songs talking about getting girls. Yeah, I and, know. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't feel like I'm hiding either. Okay. But I know hip hop, because I don't do that genre, it's a little different than dance music. Right. Or rock music, <laughs> probably. No, it's very different because there's a lot of, you know, there's very few hip hop artists that are openly gay that are a hit. Yeah, Lil Nas X obviously is the latest person. Yeah, who's come out and then he has these songs that are you know very kind of gimmicky, of course, obviously or whatever. But you know, I like I like the songs, but yeah. like he's the only one. You know, and then I think of R and B, I think of Frank Ocean, of course. Right, who's kind of the I love latest. Frank Ocean. I mean, it's, we'll see. There's the end, and so and he's but he's more R and B than yeah hip hop. So then he's kind of come out, which is another place. There's hardly anybody coming. Luther Vandross <clears throat> never came out. <laughs> Freddie Jackson <clears throat> never came out. I mean, they were huge. <laughs> Back in my day, and they yeah. never, I mean, never came out. They would have yeah. never come out. That would have never happened. So there are some small strides happening. But for you, when, you, when, you're, doing, when you're creating music, what are some of the first things that, are, that are kind of come to you? I mean, when you? I mean, is your blackness important, or is it your, you went to school in Louisiana? I mean, what is it comes up for you when you're doing music a lot of times? Um, well, the blackness, I feel like that's, I feel like that's kind of automatic okay. for me, like just... Because everything I do is black, no matter mm-hmm. what it is. But uh, for me, with the music, a lot of times my feelings come up. Like, what what am I feeling in the moment? Or if if something is in my head and I can't get it out of my head, I try to create it so I can get it out. But a lot of times when I'm approaching like writing or you know, or even even like making a beat, it's just like, what exactly am I experiencing right now within my body? What am I feeling? What am I thinking about? And it kind of just comes out that way. Mm-hmm. Now, as you, I feel like as you get freer with yourself, things may flow even easier for you. I think in terms because you know songwriting's not easy. Folks. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, spoken word writing, songwriting, it's not it's not easy. I mean, you have to love. Do, I love doing it. So, I mean, it comes out of me. But I've had songs take two, three months to come out, and some take twenty minutes. Yeah, and I I agree with you. Like the the freedom, the personal freedom is definitely what it takes, and I think that's why. You know, while we do create and everything we do, we still have to take that time to connect with ourselves because, um, you know, just thinking about my journey, my my music has transitioned with me through every phase of my yeah, life. But it's also been it's also been a little held back because of me holding myself back in different parts of my life. So it's just interesting how it all connects. And um, it does. You and know, the, and the problem is we are taught at a very early age, that being gay is wrong and being black is bad. Oh, yeah. Double negative. So how do you overcome that? I mean, so for many of us, that's what we have to overcome. And that was my going to be my question to you because I think about when I first came out, you know, I had to attach myself to this thing that I saw negative my entire life. You know, like when you think of a gay black man, you think of somebody that you've seen on TV or somebody in your neighborhood or in your community 
that is just super flamboyant mm-hmm. and just extra sassy. Yeah. yeah. For me, so okay, so for me growing up, I had the fortunate side of having a hippie parent. Okay. So we had all kinds of people in my life, and my brothers, well, my brother's godfathers was gay. Okay. Walter, may he rest in peace. I one of the first guys who died of AIDS. So I know. So I knew, but he was gay, and he was over at the house all the time, and and it was whatever. And we had all kinds of people. So I had, and living in LA, I had an idea of gay stuff. Yeah. Um, we listened to disco growing up. I loved disco. I used to do the hustle and all that when I was a kid. It's always been a dance contest. Um, and all that, I didn't know about myself at the time, but I just knew we, there were gay people, there was a, they were around. I kind of knew who they were. It wasn't until I left, moved to Sacramento in 87, I was living on my own, and suddenly I was looking at, I was looking at an area that was a burgeoning gay area. Right. Now it's gay. It's called Lavender Heights. Now it's openly gay. But back then in the 80s, it was just starting to come out. Um, and I was surrounded by mostly white men. Okay. So for me, and then, and then then it was also the height of AIDS. So everybody was dying. So I was so scared, even just to be myself, period, because everybody was dying around me. And then it was like the only people I saw were white gay men who were dictating to me what I should be. Yeah. So and back then I was young and skinny and tender. So I was the young black twink. Okay. They didn't even have that word back then. I didn't know there was a word yeah. back then about that. But I was, like, I was the young black thing. And literally, I was kind of, for all these older white men, I was the, I was the little prize. I definitely understand. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I, when I first came out, that's pretty much how it was for me as well. You know, because um, in L.A., there is no, to me, you know, I can't, I can't speak for everybody because I, I hate to generalize the community like that, but... West Hollywood did not feel like a healing community nope. for me from something that I just experienced for 26 years of my life, and now I'm having to deal with it. You know, I went to therapy, but a, a heterosexual young female therapist can only give you so much. Yes. You know, and like I said, my experiences were going to West Hollywood and meeting people that I thought were trying to, like, just build a connection as far as communicating and all that and it was it was more so to just sexualize you know and that was kind of tough for me because it started building that as my value you know what I mean and it it was it was confusing okay, okay. makes <laughs> it sense it was very confusing okay for me I never thought of myself I mean I'm, I'm not ugly but I never thought I never I never used my looks yeah I never lived by my looks. To this day, I've never lived by my looks. I've never used them. So I've never had those kind of issues. Mine were I was trying to find love. Okay. So I was a love addict, so to speak. So I would test people to make sure they loved me. Yeah. So I didn't give myself out. I was never easy. Because I was, I'd make them work through hoops to get inside of me, so to speak. You know, I mean, to get to get at me, and yeah. to almost to almost to my detriment and their detriment. I'm like, I just if you got through all the hurdles I set up, then it was like, oh, okay, now you're worthy of, and now I'm worthy of, so to speak. And it was like, that's not how you, I learned later. That's not how you do that. Yeah, it's all manipulation and whatever. But that was my own self esteem issues. But I never, I was always the smart one. I was always the funny one. I was always the personality. So I never. My looks have never played a part in my whole life in terms of my value or worth or the gay community. I just never, I never, I just, to this day, I've just never 
use that. My worth was all into my person. If you don't have my personality, then something's yeah. wrong. And I think for me, it was probably both. And I say that because, um, you know, just kind of going back to college, like as you were talking, I was thinking, like, I didn't think I was that attractive. And, uh, but that was also because most of my friends were talking to girls and I wasn't trying to talk to girls. So nobody was getting at me. Yes. You know what I mean? And then when I actually entered the gay community, I was too, quote unquote, masculine, you know? So it usually was somebody older or somebody drunk. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> trying to talk to me. And yes. it was almost like that's all I really had to settle for. And that, and that didn't help in in my attraction either <laughs> but it, it all comes down to self-value like I'm, I'm really recognizing that especially like in the last couple of months of my life like I've been having to check myself with how I feel about myself because you if you don't feel good about yourself you can be destructive yes you will do things and you will really hurt yourself absolutely and hurt other people but you'll hurt yourself and my thing was when I first came out and it was in LA I, I had a gay brother um May he rest in peace, Max. He's been dead three years now. Um, he introduced me to Catch One and things, places like that back in the 80s. And that was the only places that were black and gay. Okay. But it was like a few nights a week or, or a Sunday tea dance, and that was it. The rest was and white. were like parties, right? No, it was an actual club. Okay. It was an actual club. They don't even have it anymore. I mean, and in San Francisco, we had one gay bar that was black, and that was the Pendulum. That's gone. That's not even there anymore. And that was a, uh, and that was in the Castro, and that was weird too. It's just one little gay bar, and that was it for black folks. All the rest were busy, and everything was going on. But the thing for us was, the, the, the like we used to talk about West West Hollywood in L.A. and which I found I came back here ten years ago. There is a divide. All of my gay men of color friends don't like coming to West Hollywood, right? And they don't come. So they'll go to places like Chico's in, in Montebello or somewhere. They'll go other places. There's a few other places here and there. Now they're going downtown LA a lot. Now there's a lot going on down there. Yeah. Um, that's more diverse. But they won't come to us. They used to go to Silver Lake more. They won't come to us. Like, they won't come to West Hollywood. And I'll be like, well, you want to meet me over here? No. I'm like, I don't want to go. I don't feel welcome. They say, I don't. Anybody, everybody south of Wilshire is like, we don't go. We don't go that direction because right. it's not welcoming. And people ask me today, why is it not welcoming? One. There's times you'll be waiting at the bar to get waited on, and they'll go to everybody else but you. Yeah. You don't believe when I say that. I know it's happened many times. Absolutely. Uh, or you sit at a table, and they take forever to get to you, to serve you drinks or your food. Um, guys just there just telling you how, you know, they, they're just telling you how they don't like you or they think you're weird and stare you down. Like, things like that happen there, so you don't feel comfortable. Or getting fetishized. There's that, too. You know. Is that too? I mean, you're tall, skinny, black. Yeah. So I'm sure they're already thinking all t- kinds of things when it comes to you. Absolutely. And, I, and I've had people tell me all kinds of disrespectful mm-hmm. things. And no shame. It's like people forget that I'm a human yeah. as well. Well, no shame. You know? well. No shame. I'm not a body part. I'm not, you know. You know there's that. Yes. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey for me as far as my, my gay journey. And I, and I have friends that I connect to from playing basketball. Mm-hmm. But I also recognize, like, collectively, we don't – and, it, and it's, it's so strange to me because I have a group of straight friends that we talk about deeper stuff than, like, surface mm-hmm. conversations. Like, we talk about our lives. We talk about what we're going through. <laughs> but then, you know, my gay friends, like I said, individually we may have a deep conversation. Yeah. But collectively, it's like everybody's scared to open up. And I don't know if that's, like – but I've, I've experienced this in multiple circles of gay men. 
Well, I've been having the opposite recently. I've been shocked because I know how you, that's how I felt for a long time. I've been having these impromptu, great conversations with other gay men of color. Wow. Recently, this happened. Well, there was one night I was at a CPK uh, in the Valley, and my friend, Tony Moore, shout out to Tony Moore, who's also black and gay. Yes. <laughs> uh, we know both. Uh, one of my best friends. He and I and a bunch of actually um, black drag queens we're all, we all met up, so we, did, we just happened to meet up at the same place, and we sat next to each other, and for an hour, we had the best conversation about what we go through wow. in West Hollywood, in a society, and it was the best conversation, and good key lime pie um, <laughs> they have there, and I was, it was, it was very, but it was impromptu. It wasn't like we sat down and said, we're going to do this. Yeah. We just started talking about just some of the practices that some of the black drag queens get compared to the white drag queen. Like it's, it, it's, it permeates everything, and, and I was joking with you before the show. I was like, yeah. When I got to when I got to Castro Street in San Francisco, because San Francisco is supposed to be the mecca of gay life in, the, in yeah. America, right? That's the mecca place. I was shocked at the racism I received in that community. I'm like, but we're gay, so why? Because I'm black. You discriminate. I mean, I, they wouldn't date me because they would tell me, "I'm you're black. I can't date you." Wow. I can only sleep with you, but I couldn't take you home. Or, you know, or, you know, it puts up me in a certain box. Me and this one guy, my friend Antoine, we both worked on Castle Street. We were the only two black people who worked on the whole street. Wow. And they were confused all the time. You're the guy who works at Cliff's Variety. No, I work at Headlines. And him, you're the guy who works at Headlines. No, I work at Cliff's Variety. So we're two smiling black folks who look nothing alike. Right. <laughs> He's super dark, super everything. I'm, you know, brown, medium brown skin. We look nothing alike. Different builds, everything. Different hairstyle. I had a big high, high top fade back then. Uh, he had curly hair, but they would confuse us, quote unquote. Wow! And for years, that's how we actually met. He came to the goes, "Where's this James person who works at, at Headlines?" And I'm like, "Are you Antoine from Cliff Variety?" And we became friends. Yeah, because all the white folks kept trying to say we were the same person. That's crazy. And for years, in the nineties—that was in the nineties, folks, not that long ago. Um, and so, for me, I realized, and my advice to you is that it's actually up to you to overcome the negative black stuff and negative gay stuff. No one else is going to help. It's, it's up to you. You have, you have to find a way to figure it out yourself. And you know what? I, I feel like I am. And the, the funny thing that most people may find ironic, though, is that I'm finding it through straight black men. Oh, interesting. Okay, talk, talk about that. What does that um, mean? What do you mean by that? I've, I've been going to a lot of events with black men, like brunches and conversations. And I'm pretty open about you know, my sexuality and who I am. And I feel like I get embraced for being so open about it. And it bothers me because a lot of times I'm usually either the only gay person in the gay black person in the room or like openly (laughs) gay man in the room. But at the same time, it's like, if I'm not getting what I need from this community and I'm getting it here, what's the problem? So I don't, I don't stress you know, I used to stress not being, like, not feeling super connected to gay lifestyle, gay culture, and now I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm kind of taking back that ownership myself. Like, yeah, this is just a part of me, and I am who I am. I'm open about who I am, and nobody there is going to define it or redefine it for me. Yeah, you have to find that. I am. Um, I'm. I, it's funny you say that because I can kind of say the same thing. Um, straight men of color seem to embrace me faster. At first, they're a little weirded out at first. But in the end, some of my best friends are these, these macho, straight, Latino, or black men. Yeah. Um, and we get along great. And 
I'm, I'm in this one industry, the professional organizing industry, and it's 95% women. So I'm a minority already because I'm a man. I think I'm the only black, gay black man in the industry, I think, actually. Somebody can tell wow. me. I don't know. I think I'm the only one in the whole country. The white gay men of that industry hate me. They don't talk to me. They give me attitude. They won't talk to me. And I'm thinking, again, we're gay, and we're also the minority because we're the men in the industry. They don't want nothing to do with me. Yeah. Like, nothing to do with me. And, I'm sorry, and I've tried. And I shouldn't name names, okay? Hopefully that won't be that shady. Um, but they don't, they don't want me. And so you're right. So, so I can't find it there. When I go around family outings or, or events myself, I'm always in events here and there. I do all kinds of stuff. I go to conferences and stuff. It is, I think it's because our blackness and our black maleness comes first. Yeah. That's where we connect. It's like once they realize me being gay isn't some crazy, weird you know, scary thing. Yeah. Then we can start connecting. And once we're not afraid to talk to us, because some, some gay guys, I totally understand, are afraid of straight men because of how they were treated and how, I mean, I totally get that. Yeah. But once we learn that all straight guys are like that and we're not afraid of them, that's when the conversation and connection can start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what advice would you give to a younger gay person right now, somebody that may be coming out on the cusp of coming out and just <laughs> somebody that's just fresh into this lifestyle and community. I'm going to, I'm going to speak to gay men, young men, gay men of color. Yes. I'm, like, I'm going to speak to them because I want to say it's not easy at all. No. I'm not going to give you any illusions. I'm not going to fill you with like, you know, Disneyland adventures. I mean, I'm going to tell you, it's not going to be easy. Your journey is going to take some time. Um, just be ready for that. It's going to take some time. Celebrate the small victories. Um, but your end game should always be you want to be yourself completely. Yes. Do not follow what some people tell you. Do not let labels define you. If you want to be a masculine gay guy who doesn't want to go to the gay clubs because it's just not your thing, because you don't dance and drink, that's okay. But don't look down on those that do that. Right. That's their choice. Now, if your choice is to become a sassy black queen <laughs> and you want to run around in hot shorts, then do that too. But own it. You know what I mean? Right. Own it. I mean, own yeah. it. Own it and be and be that. I mean, don't. I mean, don't let anybody tell you that's wrong either. It's but make sure it's what you want to be. Yeah. And it may take time for you to figure out who you are, just in general. I'm 50 years old and still find out who I am. Yeah. So just in general, the learning never stops. But you have to make sure that you understand it's going to take some time. And it may not be easy every time. You may shed some tears, and it's okay. It really is okay. But to always try to go back to center. Always try to figure out who you are at some point in time. You'll make mistakes and stuff. That's fine. Yeah. But always just realize your end game is you want to be fully who you are at some point. And love that person, positive and negative. Love all of it. Own it. I I keep saying own it, but own it. Yeah. There are things about me that bug the shit out of myself. I, I, I do it still. I can't help it. And I embrace them. Me too. Um, I think what I would add to all that is surrounding yourself around some people like, that are going to encourage you. Because um, no matter how you feel about yourself, at some point, you're going to start seeing those reflections and start seeing it within yourself. You call people into your life wherever you're at in your life. Yes. I learned that. You yeah. do. And some people are for a season, as they say in the Bible. I'm, a, I'm throwing a Bible out there. Um, <laughs> I'm an ordained minister, okay, doctorate in divinity, so I do have that. <laughs> See, I'm, and, it's, and it's just the thing. 
we're many things. So we're gay, we're gay black men, we're many things. Right. We're not just one monolithic thing. Right. We don't have to be. You can, I can be an ordained minister and be also in gay and black. I mean, it doesn't matter. But I bring it, everybody, some people are in your life for a season. So they're there for that time period. They serve you for that time period, so to speak, and then they go. More the loss of them being gone, but realize that was their time for you. And hopefully you'll see there were lessons in that time with them. Yeah. Then you go, okay, got it. And maybe you'll think fondly of them, or maybe you won't think fondly of them, but you can move on. Relationships, same thing. Every relationship's not meant to last forever. Right. And you'll learn that later on, too. And then when you, some relationships, I look back on them now and go, it ended badly. I, I went to you know, run over the car. But now as I think about it, he did teach me about myself. There's some things you can only Ooh. learn when you're in a relationship about Absolutely. yourself. Yeah. I feel like every relationship I've been in, I've learned a lot about myself. Like, even if it was just dating somebody for a couple of months, mm-hmm. like I, yes. I learned who I was within that situation. So, yes. yeah, relationships are beautiful. They are. And I mean, it's, but, they, but when you're single, it's one thing. But when you're in a relationship, it literally is a learning experience about you, how you react to stuff, how you feel, like, what you want, what you don't want. Yeah. What you respond to, what you don't respond to, and who you call into your life at that time. Yeah. Oh, I look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, I call a person. At that time period, that person was right for me. Yeah. That person would not be right for me today. Right. I, I mean, definitely not. Like, like that was like that was yeah that was yeah my twenties yeah, that that worked. In my fifties, no way, Jose. I agree with that. I I told that to someone a few years ago. Actually, when I first got out of my first relationship, I felt like. Everybody I was meeting after that was because of where I was at in my life. So that's, yeah, I agree with that. I can't Completely. argue it. <laughs> and my art is good right now because I paint also, and like I said, you spoken word and stuff. Okay. And, my, and because the fact that I know basically who I am at this point, um, and I'm happy with who I am at this point too, uh, I feel like my art is flowing bigger and better and more frequently out of me. It's coming out of me, and I'm allowing whatever to come out to come, I'm not censoring myself. Yeah. So I tell to you, you know, just make sure you're not censoring yourself. If something gay esque comes out, let it come out. Yeah. Now you can decide what you want to do with it or put it out, or that's a whole other story. Yeah. But in the creative process, I would I would invite you to think, okay, today I'm feeling black. I'm going to write something black today. Say I'm feeling a loss of relationship that's gay. I'm going to write that today. Like you just. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I do. Feel it. And let it out. And then you can decide later what you're going to do with it. Right. But get it out of you. And I think you'll still feel even more freer as you're just kind of like, as you get to know yourself. You're like, yeah, I can write anything. I can do anything. I can write anything. It's, it's yeah. Just, and then you can go in places you've never been before. I look forward to it. I it's, really oh, do. You're going to love it. Trust me. <laughs> I got thirty, I got 20-some years ahead of you. And it's, it's, it's some good stuff coming. And, it really, and I, I know this is a cliche thing they say. It does get better when you're working on yourself. Yeah. It does get better. And you start to care less also. <laughs> yeah. I care, I, I care very little. I give zero Fs most of the time at this point. Um, I'm all about me and what do I think and how am I serving myself, so to speak. Yeah. That's what it's all about for me right now. Everything else is just window dressing and, and outside stuff. But my art's very important to me. My art, my art has saved my life. I don't know how it feels for you, but art has come in my life and saved my life many I times. I agree with that also. I do. Seriously. I mean, it has, it has, it has, it has given me um, wings to fly. It has given me a reason to wake up. It's giving me um, – hi. It's, it's, given, it's given me um, a reason to serve my communities, whatever communities they are. Yeah. Um, people tell me 
maybe even one person will say, that book you wrote really touched me. I love it. Or that song, James, I play it all the time because I just it, I, I feel the connection of what you wrote. That kind of stuff to me, that's what the world's like. What I do is a ripple effect in the world. What we yeah. all do, what I do affects you whether you know it or not. What you do affects me whether I know it or not. And if we can think that way, we'd be in a better place. I believe. I agree. Gay, straight, whatever. I think we get black, white, whatever. I think we get in a better place if we thought that way. When I step outside, I'm affecting the change in the world. Yeah. And so are you. And you know, and and my art does too, and so does your art. It does affect someone. Someone out there is connecting with it, and that's something to be proud of. I agree with you, and I appreciate that. Thank you. You have anything else you want to share with the people? Be yourself, folks. I, I'm gonna say it 20 times. Be yourself. Be yourself. You know, I'm gonna say it 20 times. Um, I just feel like we don't give permission enough to do that. We don't yeah. tell people. I'm giving you permission. You don't know who I am, or you know who I am. Be who you are. Love who you are. Wherever you're at in your life, and the education just never stops. As long as you know that the education stops when you die, it does not stop. So keep learning stuff. Yeah. Just keep keep at it, and just, and just keep forgiving yourself. Show yourself with care and compassion. I That's appreciate that. Where can the people find you, James? You know, folks. Okay, I'm making it real easy for you. <laughs> you can find me on all social media platforms where all James Lott Juniors are sold at James Lott Junior. Everywhere. That's my line. <laughs> I do it every time. Uh, everybody laughs. But yeah, where James Lott Junior. sold at James Lott Junior. All social media platforms. You can Google me at James Lott Junior. Um, and you'll see the 30 things that I do, uh, and it will lead you to where you need to go. So if you like music, like books, spoken word, TV shows, by you'll f- I, I do everything. So you'll find me in all those places with James Lott Jr. That's James L O T T is two T's Jr. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I laugh. You can find this podcast on all streaming services at the Art of Letting Go podcast. You can find us on all social media at the Art of Letting Go podcast. You can find me at Just Mike Brown. Check out some of the merch that we have. We have some new merch, some t-shirts, some mugs, all kind of cool stuff. Thank cute you t-shirts, guys. cute t-shirts, cute t-shirts. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being on the Thank show. Thank you for having me. Fine, this was great. Yes, I'm so, glad, really I'm so glad I was on. It really this, was. This podcast is the bomb. So I'm very happy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. This is Mike Brown, and this is the Art of Letting Go. Peace. <laughs>